Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Managing editor, FightfulMMA.com, FightfulWrestling.com, Fightful.com. We got it all over there. It is... Tuesday, August 13th. I am back from Toronto. Didn't see my co-host Showdown Joe there, but there were some happenings while we were gone. Uh, There was no UFC Uruguay post show. That's because I was in Toronto last week. So uh, Showdown Joe will kind of catch you up on that. We have a big UFC show with some interesting fights on it this Saturday, UFC 241. We're going to preview that. We're going to give you betting odds. Make sure you guys leave a thumbs up on this video. I can't tell you how much that helps us. So if you're listening, just thumbs up. Uh, We go live on YouTube.com slash Fightful, but you can catch this show on demand every week here or YouTube.com slash Fightful MMA Boxing. You can get clips, interviews, lots more over there, individual fight reviews. There's a lot going on. Joe, you got a lot going on. Are you headed back to Japan this weekend? I'm leaving uh, Thursday, so I'm leaving in two days uh, to cover Ryzen 18, which is going to be a stacked show. Uh, not overly, not too many big names per se for people on this side of the earth, uh, but there are some good names. I mean, Horiguchi's main eventing against one of the Asakura brothers, which is going to be fantastic. Uh, Takeya Mizugaki is someone you guys know, Manel Cape. Uh, he's there. Uh, you know, the best atom weight in the world, Ayaka Amasaki. She's defending her title, so that's going to be pretty much fun there. Uh, and then there's other good fights. Justin Scoggins, uh, a guy we know well on this show here. So yeah. uh, there's going to be some fun fights, a lot of kickboxing. There's a couple, there's three kickboxing fights. There's another fight for the lightweight Grand Prix, so we'll get into that a little later on. But yeah, I am leaving uh, on Thursday. They gave me two Ryzen shirts. They gave Frank and I two Ryzen shirts. Yeah. They're t shirts, Sean, and they are the heaviest t shirts wow. I've ever worn in my life. I am literally. Sitting in my air-conditioned office upstairs, sweating. They look hardy. They look hardy. Yeah. Now here's I, the thing. Yeah. You know those materials that are like, like, like what kinds the what kind of materials? Because there's some like really good material that's like heavy, and then there's some that's like okay. Well, I can tell they mass produced these. What has Ryzen got going on? I you know I didn't check the labels, but I I put it on for the first time before the show. I saved uh, this black one. Uh, for this show specifically, I'll wear the white one on the plane uh, on the way to, to Nagoya. Actually, it's not we're not going to Tokyo. But I was not expecting them to be this heavy, Sean. I am legit telling you, 
I'm sweating here. You're going to see me wiping my my upper lip here because I'm just kind of like, what is going on here? So, but good high quality stuff, obviously. So you mentioned the rise in show. Takeya Mizugaki is on the show. You have Hamasaki. You have Kyoji Horiguchi. Uh, there, there are a couple kickboxing fights. Not a couple. There's a few. There's a lightweight GP opening or qualifying round fight as well. But uh, some decent names on this show. Uh, Horiguchi, of course, is appointment viewing for me. I don't care who he fights. Uh, Joe, if he fought uh, a cardboard cutout, I'd probably watch it. It'd probably be entertaining. And and I'm a big, big supporter of his. And, and it, I really admire his work in the cage. What are you looking forward to on this show? Oh well, John Wayne Parr. I get to call a John Wayne Parr fight for the first time ever. Uh, so who doesn't want to like who doesn't like John Wayne Parr? The guy's a complete gong show. Uh, he's still doing I'm, it at forty three, man. Yeah, right. Like the guy is just unbelievable. But uh, he's quite the character. Obviously, has quite the skill. Uh, he's looking to get that victory, man. He really, really wants to get that victory. He's got ninety nine wins to his career. Yeah. Well, he and wants to get that 100th win. We almost have to say this. I mean, I'm sure that he wants it on his record, but this guy has over 130 kickboxing fights, like I think over a dozen boxing fights, and he's one of those last few people that we're able to say on this show, fights that we know of, Joe, <laughs> because he was around long before oh, video geez. evidence was around for all the fights. That's for, for so many different fighters as well. I mean, Masvidal is one of them that comes to mind. Uh, anyone from the Shooter Box Academy. Uh, did you ever see that Shogun video uh, of him when he was really young fighting at a house party? They got gloves and no. they were in the lobby, right? There's a staircase to the right. Or So if you're looking at the screen, there's a staircase to the right. People are basically sitting on the stairs and they basically did rounds with some guy and they were going at each other hard, yeah. like knockout stuff. I was like, whoa, okay. So there's, there's, you know, anyone from the Shooter Box back then has way more fights than you'll see on their record for sure. So that's Ryzen. Joe will be there, so you'll have a fightful presence. Uh, Frank Trigg calling the action with you? No, it's going to be Ben Wynn. Frank Trigg okay. has a, Yeah, Ben Wynn's a good character. Frank has a – I think he's going to be wrapping up a stunt shoot. Uh, I don't know if it's Hawaii Five O, but they're not going to be able to, to end it in time to board a plane to get to Nagoya. So – He's, he's going to have to step away with this one here. So it'll be me and Ben Wynn. Uh, a lot of guys know Ben Wynn from uh, the UFC days. And, of course, he sure. fought Horiguchi. Uh, apparently, like, I mean, he's just a nice guy. He's a nice guy, but he's a bit of a character. Very, very well educated as well. So it might be a different flavor, but give me a fight or two with Ben Wynn. I will, I will make sure that I break him down uh, and bring some comedic flavor and get those typical uh, rise in themes by the third or fourth fight when we realize that some of these answers that the fighters give us are absolutely hilarious. So uh, it could be someone afraid of cats, someone afraid of ghosts. It could be a theme of people only eating cucumbers before fights. Who knows? It's it's rising. PFL took place last week. Vinny Magalayesh got a big win. Victor Nemkov. Uh, Jared Rochalt beat Satoshi Ishii in one of the only fights where you had two guys that, that maybe longtime MMA fans will even recognize. Is PFL doing anything for you? Alex Nicholson got a win. Jordan Johnson got a win as well. Uh, what do you think about PFL these days? I, honestly, I didn't see that event, and I've watched it a few times. And I'm I'm okay with it, but it's just I don't know. Do you ever feel like there's just too much MMA sometimes? That, Hell that yeah, I do. It's just like enough with the UFC uh, with so many events, and then we have other events to take care of and watch. And but the fighters have to fight, and some guys get cut, and some guys can't get to the UFC. I get it; they want to get to the big shows, but uh, you know, good on PFL, and they're doing what they're doing, right? It's better than that bare knuckle stuff where guys aren't getting paid. So yeah. 
Jordan Johnson, who left the UFC not, after... Not, sorry, not Bare Knuckle. Was it uh, Battlegrounds? Yeah, that too. Well, I mean, some of the Bare Knuckle guys weren't getting paid yeah. too. Okay. Uh, sorry, Jordan yeah. Johnson got back on track. He had left the UFC after going 4-0 and in the company and then stepped into PFL and lost his first fight. That's not a good look. That is, that is rough, but he ended up getting a win as well. Uh, but UFC Uruguay happened. Now, full disclosure, I have not been able to watch the show. I just got back yesterday. I had shows all week, lots of stuff going on. You can stay tuned to Fightful for that, but I, I want to run through this card. You had Veronica Macedo defeating Pollyanna Viana, Gilbert Burns defeating Alexi Kanchenko, Alex Da Silva over Kazula Vargas, Chris Gutierrez defeated Geraldo DeFritis, uh, number eight Rogerio Bontorin defeated number 14 Ruliane Paiva via an injury. Marina Rodriguez defeated number eight Tisha Torres. We will talk about that. But Surreal Gain also defeated Rafael Pessoa on the prelims. To me, uh, the two most important fights, obviously, are the ranked fights. Marina Rodriguez puts Tisha Torres out. That is not a good look for Tisha Torres, Joe. Um, and it wasn't like... It, this wasn't a close one, from my understanding. 30-27s and a 30-26. Tisha Torres is 29 years old. Uh, she'll turn 30 this week and may have herself on the outside looking in. She has lost four fights in a row. She, uh, if, if you want to even extend back to her first loss, she's like 3-5 and five since 2016. This is not good, Joe. No, and you take a look at how that fight unfolded. I mean, just seeing that Marina was just so much bigger and had size and was court, sort of bullying Tisha Torres, who put up a great fight, uh, but just couldn't really get anything off uh, on Rodriguez and, and Marina just showed off her Muay Thai, right? She was just, uh, I mean, the end of the fight with those elbows was absolutely, uh, it was telling. It was just that you, you really got to see that, my goodness, there's a big size difference here. If Tisha can't get past that range and unload, but she was always in the fight, just not able to do much. So, Do you think the UFC lets Tisha go? Because I don't. No, no, she's still a marketable character. She's never been someone that, that's rocked the boat, never been someone that's upset the UFC never, you know, I, I, has she ever said or done anything that you would say, oh, they're just looking for an excuse to cut you? No, I don't think no. so. I think she's done great. So, um, Isn't getting blown out of the water either? She's, no, no, she's not at all. She's never been finished, ever. Her two losses on Tough were decision. Her all, all five of her fights here decision. I think you give her somebody. I mean, they did give her somebody out of the top 15. They gave her Marina Rodriguez and... All five fights that she's lost have gone the distance. Yeah, and uh, but I mean, also all but one of her fights ever have gone the distance. Yeah, yeah, and that's why she's sitting on the prelims on a show from Uruguay that nobody cares about, Joe, and, and that's a bummer. But still, I don't think that they'll risk giving her to Bellator. Let's be honest; there's a good chance she would beat almost everybody in Bellator at 125. Yeah, much less uh, 115, but. You know what? I can think of a lot worse fights than her versus Alimale McFarlane in the future. Uh, Alimale McFarlane would have a massive size advantage, uh, but I, I don't think the UFC is going to let her go. Uh, we we look at this prelim card. Veronica Macedo defeated Pollyanna Viana. Gilbert Burns defeated Alexei Kanchenko. Bontarin over Paiva. Those are the main fights on this, this prelim. Uh, anything that stood out to you here? Well, Gilbert Burns had to work. He had to work to get that win. Uh, it was close, and his leg was getting chopped up by Alexi. Like, it was getting – those calf kicks were adding up. And, and he said, you know, in the, in the post-fight interview, he had to put his poker face on 
uh, from the first round on, but then it just got bad. Like as soon as the fight was over, he went back. He went down on his like he, on his butt and just sat sat down. Um, you know, if it wasn't for Henry Hooft in his corner motivating him, I wonder what Gilbert Burns would have did there. But uh, yeah, I mean that surreal Gagne fight that was a beast mode, man. That dude is big. That French dude is big, uh, and he just like I mean he took down uh, a Brazilian jiu-jitsu dude and submitted him, and it was just mean. Like it was one of those things where. You would grab a child, Sean, like someone, yeah. a.k.a. like my son, and I will just grab you with my strength and put you uh, in an arm triangle choke and then squeeze. That's what it looked like. He got into a weird sort of side control position and then just said, whatever, moved his arm over, put his arm underneath, lifted him, and started squeezing. It was like the guy that – I mean, I, don't get me wrong. Like, Nunes did take a few punches and, and it was starting to get uh, – he, he was already looking gassed in the first round. So pretty easy to submit someone that almost may want an out. Uh, but pay attention to Cyril. That dude's a big boy, and he throws with power as well. So, Also on this show, Enrique Barzola, who uh, says that he is switching weight, defeated Bobby Moffat. Rodolfo Vieira defeated Oscar Picota via arm triangle. Uh, not a ton of excitement on this show, but Volkan Ozdemir, number seven, did cook. Elor Latifi finished him in the second round. I mean... mean. I was surprised that he could get a win even that late. But uh, what did you think of Volkan Ozdemir, who needed this win badly? Yeah, he pieced uh, Latifi. It was, it was, you know, I wouldn't say it was target practice, but it was violence personified. And he was going for the finish from the opening bell. And he kept, you know, chipping away, chipping away, chipping away until so a nice knee landed, a left hook. And then Latifi just said, I'm done. And as he went down to the ground, you know, Vulcan continued to throw a couple of punches. So Rudolfo Vieira, middleweight, we've got to pay attention to him because obviously he's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu world champion, multiple-time world champion. Uh, that dude is jacked. I am sure uh, I've never been one uh, to have that eye for, you know, performance-enhancing drugs. I don't know how the human body can look that jacked and that ripped. That dude was <laughs> just – he had muscles on top of muscles. So uh, we'll see how go how his career continues. But clearly he's fought in the UFC. Clearly he's been tested. So it remains to be seen what else is going on. But he's someone that we should be start, starting to pay attention to uh, at middleweight, Sean, because if you can't knock him out and you go down to the ground with him, Houston, we got a problem. Where does this put Elo Latifi and Volkan Ozdemir in this light heavyweight division to you? Uh, I was actually, I, of all people that I spoke to, was WWE superstar Big E Langston, who kind of shared my, my thoughts on how exciting this light heavyweight division is with all the new blood in it. Uh, and the, this is not new blood. I mean, relatively speaking, Ozdemir is still kind of new blood. He just had such a crazy rise and ascent, Joe. Like, I I believe, didn't he debut after Fightful launched? Yeah. Al- already got a title shot and has already had a skid and recovered from that in just those three years. Yeah. Yeah, he, he, he got in there on very short notice uh, when he made his UFC, de- UFC debut. Uh, that was against uh, OSP, and then it started this range where he took out you know, Misha uh, and then Jimmy Manoa in the first round in 42 seconds. That's how he got the title shot. It was three straight fights against three names because OSP at the time in 2017 had a damn good name, uh, and he stepped in there and beat him. Misha was on the rise. Misha was a guy, that I think I don't know if he was undefeated at the time, but uh, and he disposed of him in 28 seconds. And that started putting, that's when he got really noticed. And then they said, okay, you know what, let's see you against Jimmy Manoa. If you can survive a fight with Jimmy Manoa, you know, we'll, we'll, you might be in line for a title shot. Well, that lasted 42 seconds. 
well. That's how he got the title shot, and then Cormier just basically, you know, had his way with him and TKO'd him. So, but yeah, then he went in that three-fight losing streak. He can't fight Dominic Reyes next or Anthony Smith, so it's a matter of who does he take on next. It's going to be a, a, a difficult scenario for for the UFC matchmaking team to determine who they're going to put him up against. But uh, never say never. He might could see a rematch in the future. Eduardo Garagori defeated Humberto Bandene via unanimous decision. But with like seven ranked fighters on this show, the story was Vicente Luque defeating Mike Perry because of what Mike Perry looked like physically after this fight. That was one of the gnarliest things that I have ever seen, Joe. Uh, Mike Perry's nose went on a vacation to his ear. What the hell? That was bad. That was really bad. But I am never ever, ever going to doubt Mike Perry's toughness. The guy was mocking people on his Instagram saying, still can't knock me out, still can't finish me, still can't do this and that. But that knee was bad. It was really bad. You could make the argument that, you know, from an MMA, Unified Rules judging perspective, Mike Perry won the fight. 42% of of fans have it for Perry, 56% for Luque, uh, like 1% a draw. Uh, the media saw it a different way. The media was basically, it looks like about 80, 85% Luque. Granted, I haven't seen the fight, just, just relaying the numbers. Yeah. I mean, the, the guy that won the fight was Vincente Luque. Mm-hmm. The guy that won the MMA boat could have been Mike Perry, if you know what I'm saying, right? So this is my rising hat. Sometimes I have to look at that. And sometimes I look at fights in three ways nowadays, Sean. I look at, A, the unified rules of MMA scoring system. I look at Ryzen's scoring system, which basically judges the fight. Yeah. Then I look at it as if, if this was a street fight, who won the street yeah. fight? Luke. Right? Even though Perry was still going, that nose was just not looking pretty at all. There was one point when, when Luke had the guillotine on towards the end of the third round, and he started, that's just after he landed the knee, and he started squeezing. The blood that was coming down the side, it wasn't even like he was painting his side. It was like, adding layers so there was primer there was a second primer there was a base coat there was another coating of paint a fifth coat it was just like and then when when um perry was throwing hooks to the body to get out of the guillotine i mean if they had a high def camera zoomed in you'd have probably seen punch and then blood spraying up blood like just punch spray punch spray there was one angle i think in the second round where they both connected and blood went into the camera and it was a dot on the right, le- bottom left oh, side of yeah. the screen. Yeah, it was like, what's going on here? So it was crazy. Vicente Luque finally, finally ranked in the top 15 after this fight. Overdue. Uh, the man has won 10 of his last 11 fights. The only person to beat him is Leon Edwards. And Leon Edwards couldn't finish him. Nobody's finished him since he came to the UFC. A guy who had a little bit of trouble uh, getting tapped out has not had that trouble since coming to the UFC and has beaten some tough guys, Bilal Muhammad, Nico Price, Brian Barberina, Mike Perry. But it's time for a top 10 fight. And Joe, uh, I would like that fight to be against Santiago Ponzinibbio. Oh yeah, me likey, me likey, me likey. I'd love to see that fight for sure. Uh, Ponzinibbio has not fought in nine months. It's time to get Ponzinibbio back in the cage. Uh, I don't know how soon Luque will be ready or anything like that. But this is a guy that the UFC has to like right now, Joe. Why is that? He's had one fight, one fight in that 10 out of 11 stretch that I mentioned to you. One of his fights that he won went to a decision. It was this one against Mike Perry where he made the, sh- the fight go viral and it was fight of the night. He's finished everything else. 
uh, TKOs, submission. Uh, of course, those two Darsh chokes that really stand out. I like Vicente Luque. I want him getting some good uh, top-level fights, and uh, he, he deserves it. He definitely deserves it. If you disagree, don't. I mean, watch this fight and go watch the Barbarina fight. Now, uh, admittedly, I have not seen this show yet. I'm going to assume that Valentina Shevchenko walked through Liz Carmouche based on the 50-45s that sit before me. That was not a exciting fight at all. I didn't 40, think it would be. 42. Dude, this is a 25-minute fight. Okay? It was a five-round fight. 42 strikes for Shevchenko. Woof. 18 for Liz. Those were the significant strikes that were that – were, and one takedown – by Valentina. It was not anything to the point where Liz had any sort of urgency to try and win the title, and Valentina basically played it as if, ah, I'm going to punch you if I like, and you're not showing any sort of willingness to take my title, so I will just pick you apart uh, at will. I, I don't think there was ever a situation, I'm trying to run it through my mind again, but I don't think there was any situation that really scared me that Valentina was about to lose a fight, ever. Like, it was just like, okay. We're watching, fighting here. All right. And Liz wants a rubber match. That ain't going to happen, Joe. Zero. Absolute zero. The, the MMA gods, stars, they all have to align for her to get that. It's not going to happen anytime soon, if ever. So as we look at things, what's next for Shevchenko? She beat Jessica I, who we, we will be talking about in a bit. Do you think, like, who's next for her? We, we do have some flyweight news coming up, but we're going to talk about that momentarily. Um, Caitlin. Caitlin Jakagian, you think that's the, the way to go? That that could be the only option. She's not going to get Nunez, right? I want her to get Nunez, but she won't. Yeah, the, Nunez would be uh, be a great one, but Shakagian uh, has Calderwood up next, and Shakagian just fought I, so I could see the winner of Shakagian and Calderwood uh, yeah. getting this, kind of like setting that, even though they're both coming off of losses, they can both get back on track. Um well, you know, that was, they, they, they already had that. Didn't she, Shikagian beat Calderwood. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, Shikagian uh, uh, beat her. I don't know why in my head I was thinking that fight just, that hadn't happened. Then it hit me. I was like, wait, Shikagian beat her. Sap, welcome to my world circa 2017, 2000, actually before Fightful was started. I told you the story. I walked by a desk at Sportsnet when I was with Sportsnet. Yeah. And there was new intern working for the NHL department that was a or soccer department that was a huge MMA fan so he saw me as this deity but mm-hmm. on his on his TV set on because everyone had TV screens on their desk at sports at the sports station you have to have it there there was Josh Koscheck and Tiago Alves that fight there and I walked by and I'm like oh that'd be a cool fight and mm-hmm. I looked at it and I was like why does that look familiar? I'm like, I just drew a blank. I went back to my desk. I looked it up and I'm like, Jesus, I was there. Yeah. I was at that event. I broke that fight down. I interviewed both guys, both before and after. Did a full breakdown and recap on the show. Didn't even remember that fight took place. That's my life now. It's crazy. Right. Like, I look at some of the fights. Random fans will talk to me on the street. Hey, what'd you think of this or that fight from way back when? I don't know. Dude, it was probably good. Yeah. No idea. Yeah, I covered Shikagian Calderwood. I can't believe I didn't remember that. But, yeah, I was thinking, like, who could be next? Yeah, Shikagian is next. Uh, MMA News, we're going to do the rundown before the UFC uh, 241 preview. Henry Cejudo calls out Valentina Shevchenko. And Shevchenko's like, yeah, sure, let's do it. Why not? What do you think, Joe? No. Absolutely not. I don't, listen, I know it's 2019. People have some crazy ideas. 
I don't think we should ever, ever have a man fight a woman, a man beat down a woman for the whole world to see. Like that's the, you don't do that behind closed doors. Why would you do it in public? Yeah, I don't get it. There are biological differences that prevent this. I'm all yeah. for equality, yeah, that, but that ain't it. That, that that that's to me that's almost stating the obvious. I know uh, my own friends. A lot of women will be like, "Shut up, Joe." Like I could take out some guys. You could take out some guys, yeah. yeah. But this is professional fighters that we're talking about here. Not not only that, but one of the best pound for pound fighters in the world, yeah. Henry Cejudo, so. Olympic medalist in wrestling. Jessica I is back in action, but she faces a, a person I'm even more interested in, Joe Vivian Arajal. Boy, you want to talk about strapping the rocket ship to somebody? That's Vivian Arajal right now. Yeah. If Vivian Arajal beats Jessica I, I think she gets the title shot, Joe. I wouldn't be surprised. Shevchenko needs contenders. Yeah. She needs title challengers, and it's a division, and we've seen it with all divisions, but it's a division right now where you're basically one solid name away to defeat to get a title shot. Yeah, that, that's the case, and Vivian stepped in. She was a 115 fighter, fighting at 135, and has since dropped to 125, and it's working out for her. And, and I like that. There's no need for her to kill herself to make 115, especially if 125 is working out, and especially if 135 worked out for her. She's got some good wins already, and uh, hey, good on the UFC for recognizing, recognizing that she's hanging with some of the top people, so why not go ahead and give her that? Frankie Edgar says he's dropping to bantamweight. This shocked me when Joe Rogan even suggested it because of Edgar's age and just the nature of weight cutting. The guy was the best in the world at 155. I never thought we'd see him at 135. Do you think the fight actually happens? Uh, do you think he ever actually fights at 135? And uh, are you surprised? Uh, no, I'm not surprised. And yes, 100% he's fighting at 135 pounds. No ifs, ands, or buts. Not, not uh, to cut you off, but he does seem like the kind of guy who wouldn't say that unless he was dedicated to doing it. Yeah, well, even on his Instagram, he said the cat's out of the bag, right? So it, it's it's one of those things where should he have done this way back when? I mean, there 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 is a generation of fighters, and Frankie may be the last one that basically always fought one or two divisions higher than they should have. Now, this is the guy that was on top of the world, world champion UFC, eventually moved down, still got the title shots, was always good enough to compete for a title, just couldn't win the title at, at 145 pounds, whether it was you know Jose Aldo Jr. Uh, or Max Holloway, and now 135, if he can make that weight at this age here, no problem. Who knows what's in store, man? Like he, he'll, he'll give Cejudo a go. He'll give anyone that division a go. But, again, age is a concern when it comes to Frankie Edgar. Losing that kind of weight, not having the, uh, the fluid around your brain, it could be a different story for Frankie. If he can do it and still be able to some way somehow recuperate in time and be healthy and fast and quick, I don't see why not. Vinny Fernando says, uh, or actually it was Joseph Boza that says, Mark Henry said that Frankie was 152 when he started the camp for Max. That's a good sign, if Very that's the sign. case. Very good sign. Uh, the California State Athletic Commission has suspended Aspen Lads at Bantamweight license, uh, and she was supposed to fight Yana Kunitskaya, but Andy Foster doesn't want to let it happen. Do you think she should be fighting? What was the suspension for, the weight? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, listen, I... I... A lot of, he, he takes a lot of criticism, Andy Foster does, but I can attest and tell you guys, this dude knows what he's talking about. Not on everything. I know there's some really bad critics of him out there, but when it comes to the safety of fighters, he's paramount. And, and I'll tell you why. As you get older in this sport, Sean, you start looking at things a little bit differently uh, as you mature, not just in age, but as a human being. I'll never forget 
when I called that fight uh, just two, three weeks ago uh, with Kitayoka and Johnny Case, I, I, I was calling the fight, and afterwards, in my hotel room, all alone, your brain starts working, and I thought to myself, I may have just called a fight where somebody died. My voice will live in infamy if this, knock on wood, if this guy dies. If he dies tonight at the hospital, this will go viral, and it'll be my voice calling the fight, and I'll, it'll, I'll be ripped apart, broken down, blah, blah, because you know I didn't say what I should have said, according to some people. Andy Foster's probably thinking the same way. I don't want yeah. someone to die on my watch while I'm the athletic commissioner in California, arguably one, two, top two or three uh, in North America when it comes to regulation of combat sports. So I, I don't blame him one bit. That's why Joe gets paid the big bucks. Real life experience, my God. Uh, up next, Chase Sherman says he was offered a chance to compete on Dana White's Contender Series. Chase Sherman... Not active on social media these days. Uh, or- Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at BeatTheStigma.org. Or at least whoever he hired and probably couldn't retain as his social media manager after he got cut from the UFC isn't anyway. Chase Sherman, don't care about. Don't care about him one way or another. However, Joe, what I do like is the idea of bringing back some fairly notable fighters and giving them a shot on Contender Series. What do you think? Yeah, you know what? It's always been one of those things. One of the most popular Ultimate Fighter shows was season four, where it was basically the comeback. Guys that had competed in the UFC, guys that, you know, got cut or were just on the cusp and, you know, really needed to get in there uh, and do good. And there were names, there were ranked names, or there were names that people knew. Therefore, it was a great idea. So maybe the Contender Series could also be an option. I mean, when people used to ask me, you know, what's Titan FC? Or, you know, when you work Titan FC, what is it, what is it that you, like your play-by-play, but... What kind of organization was that? And I would tell people all the time, it's an organization where there's fighters trying to get to the UFC. It's their one potential last fight or one or two fights away from getting to the UFC, while the fighters that have been cut from the UFC come down to Titan, and they've got to sort of try and get back to the UFC as well. It's that crossing guard or that crossing uh, intersection there. So it's one of those things, Even maybe the contender series can also be an option where you know, you're on the cusp of getting back to the UFC. You've got a name, put them on there, and if you can't get... If you can't win in the Contender Series, you shouldn't be competing in the UFC. Dan Hooker versus Ally Aquinta set. That's a good fight. Glad to see Ally Aquinta still staying active. Violence. That is going to be violence personified. Uh, Dan Hooker, I, I shouldn't be stealing what um, what Masvidal said to TMZ about Conor McGregor, but Hooker looks for the for the off button. Hooker just looks for the off button. He wants to tag you, turn your, turn your put you to sleep. Wants that off button. And Ally Aquinta is not an easy guy to knock out or finish. So you know for sure he'll be more than happy to oblige uh, with a guy like Dan Hooker. So uh, that's going to be a fantastic scrap, man. No ifs, ands, or buts. UFC Fight Night Newark draws the lowest Fight Night viewership numbers. This is surprising to me. Is it surprising to you? No. Why is no. that? No, these the, the numbers have dropped uh, everywhere. So it doesn't surprise me. It was a good card. Right, mm-hmm. fantastic card, but 
I, I don't know. I mean, I told you we got into a really, really heated discussion um, the morning, the breakfast morning of, of Ryzen's last show with me, Frank Trigg, and Shingo. It was two against one. They just didn't agree with what I was saying regarding the content and what's going to happen and the trajectory. Uh, I, I just, I'm, I'm living proof of what it's like when a UFC product makes a complete and drastic change in a country and how it absolutely cannibalized the, the product. It's basically died the product down, it's watered it down, it's completely and utterly, not completely, but it's destroyed it here in Canada, and I can see it happening uh, elsewhere around the world. Not sure about the states, because I don't have access, uh, or I don't watch enough programming south of the border to understand what, what's really happening down there, but the ratings don't, don't surprise me at all, man. Dana White wants to see the Ultimate Fighter land on FX again, which used to be a Fox network, now owned by Disney, which is a part of the ESPN family. Uh, Dana White keeps on coming up with cool ways for nobody to watch tough. I mean, I, couldn't, I can't say it any better. I really can't say any better. You're correct. Uh, so uh, we have Eric Anders. He had an exclusive interview with Harry Kettle recently. He talked about uh, moving from middleweight to light heavyweight, and he says, quote, it's your body. You know it. I think for guys like Anthony Smith, Tiago Santos, it was the right move to make. You watch their fights. They're more durable at 205. You watch Thiago Santos get knocked out by David Branch with one punch. He gets into a dogfight with me, John Jones, Jimmy Manoa. These guys, when they cut less weight, I don't know how they were cutting weight before. They're more durable. What do you? What, what's your take, Joe? I, I think he's spot on here, and I think he he recognized that as well. He's bang on. He's absolutely bang on. It's I think it's taking too long because uh, I know what Andy Foster's been trying to do with the water-based testing for all the fighters in general. Uh, I, and I've talked to many a manager, many a, a legal source, uh, lawyers, um, other you know, respected commissioners. Um, obviously, we don't have that here in Ontario. Uh, <laughs> respected people in the, in the fight industry that understand that, man, this weight-cutting thing's got to stop. It's been going off forever. We get it. But maybe just because it's been going off forever doesn't mean it's right. right? So it's got to get to a point where you should be fighting in your own weight class and not determined by you, but determined by science. That's the news for the MMA week. Joe, we got a big show coming up. Rumor has it. Pretty pretty big show. Uh, I'm liking the look of this UFC 241 show. We're going to hit you guys with betting odds. My I got five on it. Uh, a look at, at how things are for, for this weekend. And man, the contrast of the last couple of weeks. Now the prelims are chock full of fights that not a lot of people, uh, of guys not a lot of people know. You have Sabina Mazo a plus 115. Shayna Dobson, a minus 135 over her. Brandon Davis, a plus 155, while Kyung Hyo Kong is uh, a minus 175. Hannah Seifers, a minus 265, while Jody Escabel is a plus 225. Drakkar Close, a minus 200, while Christos Giagos is a plus 170. Casey Kenny and Manny Bermudez a little bit closer. Manny is a minus 125, while Casey Kenny is a plus 105. You have a giant line. One of the biggest lines you'll see these days uh, for a non-title fight even. A minus 800 for Devontae Smith plus 550 Clay Collard. You have Sodik Youssef a minus 270. Gabriel Benitez a plus 230. What fights, what lines stand out to you here before we get into some of the more well-known fighters? I, I like the Sodik Youssef fight against Benitez. I, uh, did I miss something here? I mean, Sadiq's good. I called his fight. I know he lost when I called it, but he's a fantastic fighter. 
but so is Benitez. Benitez is pretty good. You know, it's not like he's garbage, right? Yeah. So it's it's that that line seems fairly separated to me. Uh, I'm still, I mean, I'm picking Sadiq. I mean, no ifs, ands, or buts. It just seems that maybe there's value on Benitez. Um, that that one line of, with with Clay Collard and Devonte Smith. Woo! I mean, that that might just be on Sean Ross Sapp's. I got five on it because that's a big big line. Uh, lots of love for Hannah Cyphers, ladies and gentlemen. Took a while. Told y'all she's nuts. I mean, she's crazy. I, I, if I tell you the stories about her, you know, catching squirrels with her hands and, and any sort of animals in the big, huge ranch forest uh, that she lives in and cooks them herself and skins them. I mean, this is, yeah, she's tough. I'll, I'll just say that. It's tougher than me, Sean. That's for sure. Yeah, I like the look of this prelim show even. Like, there there's some good fights on there. I will probably have to put five on Clay Collar just for the sake of it. But do I think Devontae Smith is going to win? Uh, you damn right I do. This is somebody that, that, that has to be watched out for. Uh, I think that Hannah Seifers, uh, am I pronouncing her name right? Hannah Seifers, Hannah Seifers. 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 Hannah Seifers, damn it, uh, <laughs> is one worth looking at as well. Uh, I like this. The Casey Kenny mandy Bermudez fight I think is going to be very good. I'm, uh, I've got my eyes on, on, on that as well. Uh, Manny Bermudez, 14-0, man. That's that's something. If you can get that far, as long as you're not fighting in like explode fight series or something, that's something I take notice of. And he's three and zero in the UFC. He was yeah. able to beat uh, Davy Grant and Benito Lopez as well. I I remember he had that debut against uh, Morales where he he uh, choked out where he choked him out in the second round. And he's been doing that all along the way. He did it to get into the UFC, and he's continued that. I mean, he got into the company based on two choke finishes at cage titans and he's he just continued to reinforce his reputation then we get to some of the distance once too yeah then we get to some of the more well-known names and boy there are plenty of good ones Derek brunson a plus 130 ian heinish a minus 150 this line is right where i think it should be because ian heinish is on the come up but Derek brunson is really unpredictable in a lot of different ways joe you don't know what Derek brunson you're gonna get you might get somebody who just has no semblance of a game plan or just a bad one, or you might get a really gritty, powerful fighter. Yeah, Dirk Brunson's like some of the teams, uh, I guess from, you know your NFL football, it's like the Oakland Raiders. You just never know like which who's going to show up here, right? So, Yeah, that, that's the issue here, and Ian Heinish is very good, man, but so is Derek Brunson. I like Derek Brunson, but when... When he runs with his hands down and his chin up at somebody, <laughs> I'm like, that's not a, that's not a good idea. And for a guy who beat Shoeface like Ian Heinish did, which surprised me, I, I thought know. Shoeface was going to win that. And Heinish has stepped in after the winning on Contender Series like just a year ago, and he's had a couple of really good fights. And if he beats Brunson, he's going to launch into that top 15, top 10 talk, and we're going to be mentioning his name a hell of a lot more. I'll tell you a fight that nobody is talking about that I'm excited for. Rafael Sunsau, plus 150. Corey Sandhagen, a minus 170. Interesting line here. A little bit closer. Sandhagen is the shiny new toy, Joe. Rafael Sunsau, though, is that reliable one that's been there with you forever, has proven himself. How do you think this goes? 
That's uh, going to be a tough one. You, I mean, the line with minus 170, I think you're going to put some value on us and Sal. He may be able to use his veteran savvy to basically you know, control Cody Sanhagen, which is not easy to do, but perhaps not put himself in too much danger where a knockout can happen. So it's it's this would, this could be the beginning of the changing of the guard of this division, right? So, I mean, Sanhagen at minus 170, damn good fighter. Usain Sal, veteran savvy. He's going to have to use all that savvy to, to, to control Sanhagen and not put himself uh, in too much danger. In all due respect to Usain Sal, I remember when we started this podcast, one of my big questions as he returned the week that we launched the website was, how is Rafael Asuncao's footwork going to be after missing almost two years? Yeah. And when he had that severe ankle injury at 135, that can prove to be bad. Hey, since then, he's only lost to Marlon Marias and TJ Dillashaw. He's beaten Aljamain Sterling. He beat Marlon Marias. We'll just throw those little fingers up there. Uh, he yeah. beat Matt Lopez and Rob Font. But I, I, those concerns are gone for me. I'm not worried about his footwork. I'm not worried about his speed uh, because of his ankle injury. Now we're just at the point where he's 37 years old, and I'm worried about his footwork and his speed because of that. Because he's not 33, 34 anymore. He's not in the prime of his career anymore, as much as he would like to be. Uh, Sanhagen, on the other hand, is. He's a 27-year-old who just went the distance with John Lineker, had to, had to withstand some stuff there. He knows how to finish. He can finish on the ground. He can finish on the feet. He's a very versatile guy. And if Sandhagen wins, this is a launching pad and a major one. Because if he wins, I don't want to see Frankie Edgar jump in the line. All due respect to Frankie Edgar. You know the UFC would be like, oh, one or two wins at 135, Frankie. Get yourself a title shot. Uh Uh-uh. I don't want to see it. Not over guys like Sandhagen who have come into the company beating guys like Alcantara and John Lineker and maybe a Sunsau. I think that would say a lot about him. Uh, you also have my God, Joe. Paulo Costa, plus 125. <laughs> Yoel Romero, minus 145. Hear me out. Think there's some value on Yoel Romero at minus 145. Uh, possibly. That's assuming he, sh- he makes the weight, gets in there healthy, and is good to go. This is a couple of Adonises physically. How will that play out? Don't text me, don't call me, don't WhatsApp me, don't message me. Allow me the right What's to be your a MySpace? fan. What's my <laughs> This is one of uh, two fights, especially on this card. Just leave me alone. I want to. I I, I want to be a fan, right? Like this is just going to be disgusting, right? Who knows when these two tanks? Uh, you know, it's just going to be. It's. I don't know, man. I'm, I'm, I'm so looking forward to it. Costa's that new breed. Romero's a superhuman. Uh, who knows what's going to happen here? Something's got to give. I mean, it has the potential to, to both guys respecting each other too much to be a boring fight. But Romero's been out of action. He needs to do something uh, to remain uh, really relevant in this division. And Costa, these guys have been talking trash to each other. Right, so yeah, let 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 these guys go. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Romero does not have a unanimous decision win since 2014. He went the distance with Jacare, and that was a split decision. But he has been known to get a little bit tired, Joe. Uh, that being said, Paulo Costa has not fought in over a year since 2018 started. He has fought one time. Also, Joe, 
He does not go. We've never seen him go the distance. We've never seen him go to the third round. Yeah. This could be a very sad third round to watch if it goes that far. True. If Paulo Costa wins, the UFC throws him into the conversation of title challenger immediately. Correct? 100%. 100%. If Yoel Romero wins, what does that do for him? Because he's lost to Whitaker twice. Yeah. Not a... Not a, you're a gatekeeper now. Like maybe, you, maybe if Adesanya wins, they could throw him in there eventually. Sorry, I shouldn't say he's a gatekeeper. What, what I'm trying to say is the fact that you've defeated or you've lost to the champion twice, you're not getting a title shot anytime soon until you you string off at least two or three wins in, in in what might have to be spectacular fashion. You know what I'm saying? Like three wins to decisions may get you a title shot. Two or three wins, or at least two or three wins with finishes, maybe more than maybe. Let's just say that. This is a, this is a, an integral fight in this division, because like I said, if Adesanya beats Whitaker later this year, Romero, if he wins, is right back in the mix because he's not fought Israel Adesanya. Yeah. If Romero loses, two oh five. Hit the bricks. Go to 205. That's that's the move. That's the smart thing to do. If Costa wins, he's right in the title picture. If he loses, well, then he n- nobody's going to hold it against him losing to Yoel Romero. I don't think that, that will be that much of an issue in that regard. But uh, this is a hell of a fight. Who are you taking in this one, though? And and in the Sanhagen of Sun South fight, I, I want your picks for these main card fights. I'm going to go with uh, Yoel Romero in this fight here. Uh, although, you know, everyone knows my thoughts with Paulo Costa. The very first time I saw him, I texted Elias uh, Theodoro and said, dude, you better be paying attention to this kid. You might be running into him. So yeah. uh, it, maybe it's not Costa's time just yet. I'll go with Romero. Totally won't be surprised if Costa destroys him. Just is what it is. Um, the Sanhagen and Asuncao fight, hard for me to go against any Asuncao brother. Uh, but, Cody, but Corey Sanhagen, I think, will be just – that much quicker, he'll pick him apart. This one, I think, will go the distance, and he'll win two of the three judges' scorecards. Anthony Showtime Pettis at minus one thirty. Nate Diaz a plus one ten. Nate Diaz has not fought in three years. I cannot believe this line is so close right now with the layoff that Nate Diaz has had. I think that Anthony Pettis is going to win this and win it fairly easily, Joe. I think that he could and should pour it on because. I'll say this. I think that Nate Diaz's cardio is probably still there. The Diaz brothers get in there. They like to fight. They like to scrap. That's what they do. However, I don't know if his reaction time is going to be there. I don't know if his ability to react to some of Pettis' combos are going to be there. I don't know. What do you think, Joe? There's never value on anyone that's a minus whatever. Mm -hmm. There's no guaranteed locks. Sure. In mixed martial arts, in any sport whatsoever. Uh, unless Anthony Pettis mentally checks out before this fight and is intimidated by a guy like Nate Diaz, which I completely doubt he can be because you're a professional fighter who was once a world champion, Anthony Pettis wins this fight. Yeah. I'm only saying that based on your breakdown as well. Nate Diaz has not competed in a long time. You got to be fresh. You got to be able to, to you know, it, it's a different story when. You know, these guys are doing triathlons nonstop and they're training in the gym nonstop, but you got to be fight fit ready. It's a different type of fight fit ready. I don't, I mean, and then again, Nate Diaz is, is just a fighter's fighter. He might be able to bully 
Anthony Pettis. And Anthony Pettis is like, oh, my God, what have I got myself into? Uh, I mean, if Nate Diaz wins, that post-fight interview is going to be ridiculous. Absolutely and utterly ridiculous. That is a fact. If Anthony Pettis wins and he finishes him, it'll still be crazy in there. So we'll see. I never believe that a Diaz brother is going to fight until I see him in the cage these days. That's it. I, I <laughs> What have they done to make me think that it's it's going to happen, Joe? What like Until that happens, I don't believe that one of them won't get pissed off and not fight. I mean, Nate Diaz hasn't fought anybody besides Conor McGregor since 2015. Has, Nate, has Nick Diaz fought anybody since Anderson Silva? It's been uh, five, no. five and a half years. No, I, I had some interesting conversations yesterday regarding Nick Diaz with a, with a friend of mine talking about Colby Covington. Uh, and Colby Covington, can he get Conor McGregor? Or can he get Nate Diaz or Nick Diaz? Oh, guy, I think Colby Covington would beat the living shit out of Nick Diaz. Right, it's a big fight though. Like, I mean, that would have to fight. That would have to be a one eighty-five, right? So. Yeah. If I were to set the betting lines on Nick Diaz and Colby Covington, I'd put Colby Covington at a minus like four fifty-five hundred. That's that's how far. Wow. Nick, Nick Diaz has struggled against wrestlers. Really, both the both the Diaz brothers have. Yeah. I mean, I, I said that for years about Nick Diaz, and I'm like, all right, cool, you know, the, the run with Coker is, is all fine and dandy, but not when you got a bunch of guys who can't really shoot a double leg or push you up against the cage and drag you down. It, the guys that, that Nick Diaz was beating during that era was like Frank Shamrock, all due respect to him, well past his prime, Scott Smith, Zaromsky, Sakurai, KJ Noons, Cyborg, Paul Daly. The, and then what... He got over to the UFC and he lost a bunch of fights. That it didn't surprise me, and it won't surprise me to see Nate Diaz lose on Saturday night. Am I glad that Nate Diaz is back? You damn right I am, uh, and apparently fans are too because you look at the way that the the traffic numbers are trending for articles about the, these fights. It's the uh, following man, the use the UFC videos, like. There's triple the interest in Pettis versus Diaz as Miocic versus Cormier, which we'll talk about in a moment. That is a true testament to Nate Diaz's drawing power. And quite frankly, I don't know that Nate really had that before the promo where he called out Conor McGregor. Here's the thing. When he called out Conor McGregor, I was like, this guy's delusional. Because I saw the web traffic numbers back then. And they weren't there for Nate Diaz. They were for Nick, but not for Nate. When he cut that promo... It made him in that regard in a lot of fans' eyes. Because there was this groundswell of people who did not like Conor McGregor, but may have liked some of the behavior that he put forth. And they got that behavior out of a different guy. And it was magical. And since then, Nate Diaz has only had to fight Conor McGregor until this moment. Brilliance. Brilliance in that. But we do have a main event, Joe. And it's a damn good one. Daniel Cormier, who I can't tell, I am thrilled that he didn't retire at age 40. I'm stoked that he didn't retire at age 40. Getting the rematch against Stipe Miocic, obviously, Miocic always has a chance. Daniel Cormier is one of the greatest fighters I've ever seen in my life. Stipe Miocic, one of the greatest heavyweight fighters I've ever seen in my life. However, I feel like if Daniel Cormier had not moved to 205 pounds, we'd be talking about him as the undisputed greatest heavyweight of all time. Better than Fedor, better than Cain Velazquez, better than Stipe Miocic, better than any of them. I want to know what you think of Daniel Cormier's legacy, what could have been at, uh, 
a heavyweight before we get into this fight? First of all, DC all day, every day. All right. Uh, I think DC wins this fight here. Uh, and taking nothing away from Stipe Miocic, but Stipe Miocic, uh, it, it just, you know, he hasn't competed uh, since he lost the title in 2018. It's been over a year. Um, and that, that was a first round finish. I think it'll be a completely different fight. DC will likely have more work to do in this fight here, but it, it's going to get to the point when DC is going to want to take him down. He'll take him down and he'll control him on the ground if he has to. Uh, it, it won't be easy to take down Stipe because Stipe is a brick, a brick house, excuse me. But uh, I, I think Daniel Cormier does emerge victorious in this fight here. And, you know, we all know that this was supposed to be the Cormier versus Brock Lesnar show, right? Um, this was the event here. It didn't happen. Uh, Miocic is in there. It is what it is for Cormier. But in terms of Cormier's legacy, uh, he's going to go down as a contestant or a name uh, in the GOAT category one day. He will, with the only asterisk being John Jones. That is it. What I don't like is a champion getting beaten especially via first-round finish, and then getting an immediate title fight. However, where I gain some leeway is the fact that Stipe Miocic, on paper, was the greatest UFC heavyweight of all time in that he defended his title more consecutively than anybody else. That's why I, was, I wasn't thrilled that Joanna Janjacek got her rematch immediately, but you could not dispute that she deserved it in, in that she built that division. Miocic didn't build this division, but he did beat Nganu, who obviously is still very good. He beat Dos Santos. He beat Verdum. He beat Overeem. He even beat Arlovsky and Mark Hunt back in the day. He beat Roy Nelson. Like He's got a lot of great wins. I think DC's going to take this. I'm not going to be surprised if Miocic does. Miocic is 36 years old. He'll be 37 this weekend. That is still a relative... That, that's your that's a heavyweight prime age right there, Joe. He's still got a lot of years if he wants them. We're, we could probably see uh, Stipe Miocic fighting in 2025, and it wouldn't surprise me. Would not surprise me a bit. Uh, <laughs> he is a plus 125. Cormier is a minus 145. I think this line is exactly where it is. I think that Cormier gets underneath Miocic this time and takes him down. I think that's where the fight ends. I think that... Uh, Miocic ends up turtled up as he scrambles and ends up catching some punches. And here's the thing. I don't doubt that Cormier may end up there as well. I don't doubt that Cormier could get clipped, dropped, and finished. This is a very intriguing fight to me, and I'm glad that it's happening. What I'm also glad that it's happening is the I got five on it picks. Clay (laughs) Collard at a plus 550 just because uh, there aren't a lot of easy picks on this one. Uh, Gabriel Benitez, a plus 230. You had mentioned that one earlier, Joe. I like that one as well. Uh, I would have that line much closer. I do give the edge to Youssef, but uh, it's still a little bit too wide for me. Also, Brandon Davis, a plus 155, though it's not a big line. Still give him a little bit of a chance. Joe, I will be here right after the show Saturday to talk to all of you guys. But I want you guys to go over to youtube.com slash FightfulMMABoxing. This is where I post individual fight reviews with a little clickbaity title. Gotta gotta do it, gotta do it. Uh, We got (laughs) interviews, we got boxing podcasts when they go up. We got clips from this show. We got a lot going on. Joe, but what do you have going on this week? Well, pretty obvious. Leaving Thursday for Japan, uh, Nagoya. Got to stop over Detroit. 
head over to Nagoya and vice versa on the way back. Uh, call and rise in 18. It's going to be a fantastic show. Uh, make sure you follow me on social media, Joe A. Ferraro, Instagram, Twitter, uh, and Facebook. But most of my stuff will be on Instagram. Make sure you check my stories. I'll try and post uh, some crazy stuff or as much stuff as I can, especially because some of the meals that we have are unknown uh, meat products until they tell me afterwards. Thankfully, it's been pretty safe up until now. Uh, but yeah, call on that. And then uh, you know how it is. Work, 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 and soccer. So uh, this just in, Clay Collard, according to MMA Fighting, off the show. So a man by the name of Karma Worthy is what? stepping up. Karma Worthy? Karma Worthy. And you know what? I'm going to take him and my I got five on it. I always like <laughs> I always like a last-minute replacement in some of those. You never know who could be the next Vivian Arajal. You just don't know. Well, I know that I appreciate every single one of you. Thank you guys so much. Leave a thumbs up. Follow Joe at Joe A. Ferraro. Follow me at Sean Rossap. Follow us at Fightful MMA. If you're not in those live coverages, you're missing out. We have hundreds, if not thousands of comments. We will have over a thousand comments in this weekend's show. So make sure you guys join us. Until next time, we're out. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.